Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 128 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer-director-producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall, here with my co-host Marcelo Inostroza, as we continue our rewatch of the fifth and final season of Fringe. Today we are talking about episodes six and seven of that final season as things start to ramp up in the war against the Observers, episode six. Through the Looking Glass and What Walter Found There, aired November 9th, 2012, written by David Fury, directed by John 24 Kassar. Um, The whole concept of a mirror universe that Walter used to hide one of the key things that he needed to defeat the observers was really cool. But the one thing that I was wondering throughout... The one thing that I was wondering throughout the entire course of this episode was like, how in the hell did Walter and William Bell create this alternate universe pocket? Now, I understand that Walter is a genius and I understand that William Bell is a genius, but I wish that the writers would have given us a little bit of a a little bit more of an explanation as to how they created the pocket universe in the first place. And the whole mystery of who is in that pocket universe and and, and the way that it tied into um, a previous episode from earlier seasons, I really liked also the gentleman that Walter was with when he when he when he recorded the tape in the pocket universe, I thought was really intriguing. I, I, I can't wait to find out who that is. So for the most part, I thought this episode was good, but there were things about it that I wish that the writers would have explained a little bit more. So it wouldn't have been so. This this episode felt like the the fringe the, the fringe writers came up with a concept and they just accept and they just expected us to accept it without giving us too much of an explanation about how this pocket universe wor- this pocket universe came to be about. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it that they were light on the details. And what I really appreciated was this, for most intents and purposes, is a bottle episode because it almost entirely takes place in this bombed out apartment and the pocket universe. So they just spent all this time in this location where they don't have to do a lot of crazy stuff. But I liked that having this weird out of out of our universe space where time is all messed up that Walter could use as a secret hiding spot is a really cool fringe idea. So I thought the concept of it overall is great. I love that we have to go and you have to follow the certain steps to be able to find the entrance and how to get into this spot. And then once you're in, it's a labyrinth that if you take a wrong turn, you might be stuck there for 20 years And it might only feel like five days or whatever. So I thought that was really interesting, but we don't dig deeper into it because we don't have time. So we're just saying, you know, we have to go here and get X so that we can then resume the plan, which again, I've gone on record kind of complaining that this season feels a little bit like a video game where we've got different side quests to assemble all of the things we need before the big boss battle. And this again is a side quest where we need to get X. But the problem is we don't know what the item is. And then when we get there, we are told that the main item we need is not, sorry, your princess is in another castle. And 
here's a thing that's going to help you find the thing that you actually need. So again, we're just kicking this can down the road further of we need five magic items to be able to take down the observers. And one of them, by the end of this episode, we learn is this kid and the kid is no longer there. And it is a kid that we have seen before in a previous episode, but that episode didn't take place in this timeline. So it's not, you know, a one-to-one, but there was an episode inner child where this like observer boy kind of guy was in it. Um, And this is the child that Walter has hidden. And when they leave this episode, we have a radio that we don't know how to use, but that is going to lead us to the thing that will then lead us to the thing. So I did enjoy this episode a lot because the visual flair and this weird idea of pocket universes is something that I am excited when fringe does. So I think that is really great, but we spend a lot of time. And as you said, there's a lot of stuff we just don't know. So we keep, we keep referencing Donald. So this mysterious Donald who's working with Walter and is the one holding the camera. And we've mentioned Donald in a previous episode. And of course, when this aired, that name was probably most closely associated with a duck. But when I'm thinking that team fringe got frozen in Amber in 2016 and I'm thinking, Oh my God, please tell me this isn't the Donald who came to power in 2016 because I don't, I don't want that dude anywhere near my fringe. Uh, what are you thinking as we're, we're giving a lot of weird hints about the importance of the guy holding the camera. I really, well, 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 I think it's a really, I, I think it's a really nice wild card to introduce this late in the season that Walter, before he laid out all these clues for the present fringe team to find, that Walter, for some reason, made a friendship with this mysterious Donald guy that we obviously have never heard of before. So I'm really interested to see why this guy is so important to Walter and why this gentleman helped Walter essentially in the pocket universe hide this kid that is important to the plan. But I also, listen, I also feel that although this this final season is compressed because the, the episode order is 13 instead of our usual 22 or 23, I feel that at this point in the season, I feel that all we've been doing this entire season is looking for these clues. And here's the thing, and here's the thing that the writers have been doing with this treasure hunt that they've sent our fringe team on, every time that our fringe team finds a clue, they either find the clue or they don't find the clue and they're sort of redirected and they're given something else to find the clue that they that they set out to get in the first place. So it's very, very annoying because they go to find something, then they don't get it, and then they're given something else. That's supposed to lead them to the original clue that they wanted in the first place. So it feels like our fringe team is going somewhere, but it feels like when they get there, they turn halfway around and they got to go somewhere else. So it feels like intentional misdirection just for, just for, just for misdirection's sake. And that's annoying the shit out of me. And I'm also thinking, I'm also thinking we don't have that many episodes left. So when is this bullshit going to start making, matching up? And making some sense so we can get to the final end game here because we are in it now. And it's like, guys, what are we doing here? Yeah, I think that we 
we are trying to get a few key beats, but it does feel like we're we're pushing off the important stuff till later. So I start to get a little bit frustrated like you. And I do think that the character moments that happen in this episode are sort of the meat rather than, you know, the whole plot MacGuffin being like, we keep having to look for some magical thing that's not here. So we we deal with a few different character beats that are kind of instrumental. So in the beginning, you know, Peter and Olivia kind of have this talk about how this time they should deal with the loss of Edda together by being together rather than doing what we find out is their pattern of kind of isolating themselves from each other because of the pain. They want to deal with it together. So I like that in theory, (laughs) in theory, I like that. I still don't buy that in the past, they both close themselves off to each other. That doesn't make any sense to me. But then we also have when Walter realizes where this pocket universe is, he just takes off without waiting for anybody. And so part of the episode is spent trying to track Walter down because dude's up to his old tricks of not realizing he needs a supervisor half the time, or he needs to leave a note about where he's going because his, his brain is not correct. And there is a moment later in the episode where he says he's worried that he's becoming the old evil Walter because these pieces of his brain that are, he had removed are back and he's starting to worry that he's going to lose sight of his humanity because while he's in that pocket universe, he meets that guy, Cecil, who was collateral damage from the observers bombing that building. He got blown into the, the pocket universe, lost 20 years of his life, and then he gets murdered. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, well, he, it's like he died that day. His family thought he was dead anyway. So, like, who who gives a shit? And then the aftermath of that is like, but maybe we should have given a shit that this poor guy was trapped and then died because of us. And so Walter saying like, I really hope that I'm not turning into the old me and Peter saying, we'll make sure that that doesn't happen. But we know that Peter himself is turning and we start to see the telltale signs of the weird observer like behavior in Peter ramp up throughout this episode and culminate in the two big events at the end. One where he uses the teleportation of the implant to get behind an observer and kill them when the observers enter the pocket universe and cause all sorts of chaotic shit to happen. And then the final shot of the episode where Peter's vision goes from normal guy vision to observer Terminator mode. What are you thinking, Marcelo, as Walter is worried that his humanity is slipping away and Peter's humanity actually is stripped away. I really, I really think that this was an inevitable thing. I really think that this was an inevitable, an inevitable thing that was going to happen to Walter once he got the original pieces of his brain put back in because there was always when, when, when Walter, when Walter didn't have the pieces of his brain in an earlier seasons, I always wondered as a fan, what would our Walter be like if he had all the pieces of his brain intact? And now as a funny thing, I'm getting to see kind of what that would be like, but 
while while Walter is worried that he, while Walter is worried that he's going to change, I'm sitting here. I'm I'm sitting over here thinking. I understand that Walter is worried that he's going to change, but he needs to be like this, especially right now, because if he's not like this, how is he going to be able to help? How is he going to be? How is he going to be able to help our team defeat the observers? So I think that Walter has to think of the greater good rather than thinking about his future because if they don't stop what the observers are trying to do there's there's not going to be a future for anyone and that includes Walter uh, Olivia Peter and everyone that Walter cares about so i think that it would be i think that it would behoove Walter to sort of put his personal feelings aside for the moment and deal with the situation regardless of what he thinks that that is doing to him at this point um, as far as Peter becoming uh, a version of an Observer 2.0, I speculated uh, a couple episodes ago that this might happen to him. So seeing this slowly, slowly start to happen to him is really, really cool. But also it's really, really dangerous. And you just mentioned a couple moments ago that um, Peter and Olivia's relationship and the way that they deal with grief is very very different. Instead of instead of coming together and dealing with their grief, they like to go apart and deal with their grief separately. And I'm like, guys, this is not going to work. The distrust that Olivia and Peter have in between them at this point because of the death of Etta is is ridiculous. And the fact that they cannot be honest with one another right now, I'm like, guys, this shit isn't good for isn't good for the two of you, and the two of you need to sit down and need to hash this shit out because 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 there's not much time left here. So you guys need to get on the same page because seeing seeing them not being able to come together and talk about their grief towards Etta is really starting to piss me off. Yeah, it's very frustrating, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to have many chances for those discussions because. As we said, Peter is really becoming an observer, and that is escalated tenfold in 52010, episode seven of the fifth season, which aired November 16th, 2012, written by Graham Roland, directed by Eagle Eggleson. And this picks up again with we're searching for tapes in Amber to try and figure out where we got to go to get our magic bullets. And I've just got, got to know Marcelo. Are you storing shit at Kelvin Genetics? I really, really hope I was because when Walter said that, oh, we, oh, that, oh, we need these little, the, these little bullet things that were introduced in previous seasons, but these little bullet things are stored in a sub company that Massive Dynamic created called Kelvin Genetics. First of all. For those of you who love the Bad Robot universe, like me and Matt do, when Calvin, when, when the word Kelvin comes up, Matt and I get a smile on our faces because we know we know what that means. So when that name popped up, I was like all sorts of happy. Um, but again, I was like, guys, are we looking for more clues again? What, like, like, can we can we take some direct action here? But with that being said, I just call for direct action. And this entire episode basically shows 
the way that Peter is becoming more and more like the observers. He's basically tracking down uh, a specific group of observers to switch out a briefcase with one of them that leads to one of the coolest scenes in this entire season. So I really like how the writers took time to show us the way that Peter sort of... Uh, the way that Peter is sort of changing and the way that Peter is sort of hunting down the observers. Look, it's not a good thing. We don't, we don't want to see Peter become one of these bald bastards, but at least he's taking some direct action. And the other thing, the other thing that I was, that, that I was thinking throughout this episode that was like really a mystery to me. If the observers know that fringe team is out there and if the observers know that fringe team could you know, possibly uh, serve as a threat to their grand plan. Why the hell aren't the observers out there in force looking for the fringe team? I mean, for God's sakes, the fringe team is walking in broad daylight around different places. How in the how in the holy fuck do the observers not have like? I don't understand how the fucking fringe team is walking around in broad daylight, and the observers are not going out to physically get them. I I start to wonder that too. And I also wonder, do they not have some sort of way of tracking their own kind through their technology that now that Peter has this thing in the back of his head, should he not be pinging on the observer radar at all times? So that's something that we just kind of gloss over. And it is interesting to see that we know in previous seasons, Peter has done some heinous shit before. So if you remember when he went on a killing spree, this is not actually something entirely new because he went on a shapeshifter murder rampage back in, I don't know, was that the third season? We found out that it was Peter who was murdering all these people, and now he has turned to domestic terrorism. And he's, he's you know, going to subreddits to learn how to build bombs, and he's figuring it out. So it's it's interesting to see that as his humanity is stripped away, he is becoming more intelligent and being able to see kind of, you know, this precognition minority report shit where he can kind of see like different paths. And so he's got to work out the kinks of how to be able to see all these different paths because his first attempt to do this explosive finale doesn't go the way he thought, but then he figures out the way to actually line up all the dominoes and figure stuff out. So I did like that. We are dealing with this Peter becoming one of them, but also using that against them is interesting. So using their intelligence and technology to try and take them down. But we just hope that enough of his humanity can be still there that he's not going to go full, <laughs> full dark side that it won't even help that he's on our team. So that's one of the main concerns. And then the other main thing with this episode is we bring Nina off the bench for the first time this season. So we bring her back into the fold because they they have to talk to her and we're trying to figure out a lot of this William Bell mystery about the two things that we need to come out of the ground. And there's an interesting talk with Nina and Walter where, again, Walter is still worried about him becoming the old him and Nina... And him have a scene where he kind of snaps at her and says, like, William Bell didn't give a shit about you. That was his nature. He was a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. And by the end of this, when he opens William Bell's safe and sees that there's a photo of Nina in there, he has to apologize. And and he says, like, you know, maybe 
you can help me remove these pieces again because obviously I'm turning into a complete asshole and that's not helpful to anyone. So I like that we are dealing with the ramifications of what happens when Walter Bishop goes full Walter Bishop. And that's still something we have to be concerned with because his nature is to cross lines that shouldn't be crossed. And, you know, we're bringing back that theme that we've done a lot about these pieces of his brain missing, returned, missing, returned. What are you thinking as in that last sort of exchange, he has to apologize for how ruthless he was with Nina. And he does realize that Belle actually did have a side to him that was capable of love that this Walter didn't think was possible. I think I think it's really interesting because for the most part William Bell has always been betrayed in the world of fringe as the, as this bigger than as this bigger than thou figure much bigger than Walter because unlike Walter William Bell kept his marbles and William Bell let Walter go crazy and while Walter was rotting away in St. Clair's for 20 fucking years what did William Bell do William Bell went ahead and built the most profitable company within the bad robot universe. And to do all that, William Bell had to have a certain air of fucking son of a bitch about him. So it was really cool to see that underneath all that bravado and underneath all that Steve Jobness and underneath all that Elon Musk sort of era about William Bell, that he did really, really care about some, that he really was able to have that emotional part of his soul where he did care about Nina. But the other thing that really ticked me off that they sort of confirmed in this episode is that William Bell was with the French team before they ambered themselves. And William Bell sort of betrayed our French team to make nice with the observers. And I'm like, God damn it, William, can't you just that really ticked me off because I'm like, because I, because I would imagine that William Bell would see the situation and he would align with Walter and the people that Walter associated. But the fact that William Bell tried to make a deal with the observers really pissed me off because again, that shows me that although William Bell has love for somebody else, he always wants more. He always wants to be uh, 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 one of the gods, which is referenced in this episode about Walter. But on another note, the fact that Walter wants Nina to help him remove pieces of his brain because, again, he's worried that he's going to turn into a monster. Again, I'm like, dude, now is not the time for this shit. If, if you would listen, listen, listen. If there was any time to be ruthless in the history of Fringe, now is that time. You need to be ruthless Right now, because let me tell you something. When these observers find you guys, do you think that they're going to show you mercy? No, they're going to try and kill you. So, but I'm like, so I, so I need Walter to be at the full Walterness. I don't care if he's turning into a monster right now. I need him to be vicious because we need Walter Bishop, the vicious version. And then we can go back to the kind Walter if we want. But I don't understand why he doesn't understand how important it is to have his brain the way it is right now. Like, I don't, I don't get that, but that, but, but, but that just might be me. Well, you're right. That it's kind of bad timing for us to say, like, 
we've got Walter at 100% power. Let's knock him down to about an 80 going forward. When it's like, how about we we keep him at 100 until we save the day? And then let's fix this guy's emotional baggage. So I totally understand that. And yeah, it was frustrating that this episode is trying to have it both ways with the William Bell thing, because we find out that he sold them out to the observers. And then we're also asked to believe that he actually did have a softer side and cared about Nina. And it's like, okay, well, which is it? Because it's tough for me to swallow both of those pills in the same episode when you know, we're showing that Walter was wrong. And, but if, well, if William did sell them out to the observers, then that kind of overrides any of the other stuff because that's an ultimate dick move. So it's, it's tough in that instance. But again, as we are doing the, the magical treasure hunt, you know, and we're looking for the things that are going to give us the, the boss battle advantage, they go where they think they need to go and they can't find the thing that they, they need to find. But luckily we got, Peter, super, super murderer observer, Peter. So he's, he's done his exploding shit. And, uh, he, he brings up those two magic bullets because he, he knows how this stuff is going. So he finds the beacons or whatever they are. And, uh, then there's like a weird moment where they're like, okay, we got this, but now we got to be real stealth and we might be walking out of this building into a trap. We got to be careful. And Peter's like, nah, dog, I got it. I, I know these guys ain't ain't shit. They don't know where we are. Let's just bounce. Let's get out of here. And so he does that and he's right. And everybody's like, huh, I didn't really like the way that that guy was talking. And so by the end of this episode, Olivia has had a lot of emotional stuff that she's working through where she doesn't want to lose Peter. She's noticed a moment where he's bleeding out of the ear and he's like, don't worry about it. It's all good. That just happens to me now it's normal and it's like oh no this is not normal and at the end she shows up to to have a talk with peter and it is not any sort of normal human version of peter bishop that we have ever seen this is where he has gone from you know a five out of ten on the observer scale to full-blown ten out of ten he is speaking the way the observers speak he's He's not giving us anything emotionally. He is flat, monotone. He is very detached, talking about his plan and all this stuff and how this is going to do this and this and this. And Olivia's like, oh boy. (laughs) And he even tells her, I have used their technology to make myself better and to do this. So he lays it all out and she's kind of taken aback and realizes like, I got to get the fuck out of here because this guy is no longer human in any sort of normal respect and it's going to obviously be a point of contention going forward and then the full like oh shit moment is where peter pulls out a giant chunk of his hair because he is starting to physically become one of them losing his hair and then we the final shot of the episode is walter listening to david bowie's the man who sold the world as he's trying to assemble the stuff and and we're in a weird spot where we are happy that Peter is fighting this battle. We want him to be able to correct the timeline, get rid of these observers, hopefully get Etta back in the process. But we definitely don't want this fucking show to end with him being full observer forever in some sort of unredeemable way that 
this all comes full circle with those Reddit theories that Peter could have been one of the first observers. Let's hope that shit never comes to pass. And we also want Walter to be able to find a way to balance the intelligent Walter Bishop with the noble, you know, emotional, but sympathetic Walter Bishop without having to have extreme surgery. So Marcella, what are you thinking at the end of this episode where everything Peter just lays out all his bullshit and Olivia's like, Oh, whoa, I got to get out of here to sort through this. And then the not so subtle David Bowie music cue that's telling us, you know, uh, shit's shit's going down in these next few episodes. Yeah. When it came to the scene between Olivia and observer Peter, I was extremely, extremely shocked to see, to see Joshua Jackson speaking monotone and, and, and acting around Olivia in a fashion that he's never that he's never basically done before, and it 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 physically scared the shit out of me. I know I know that I postulated uh, in in earlier weeks that it would be really cool to see Joshua Jackson become an observer and to have Olivia have to hunt him down and ultimately kill him. But after seeing this episode and getting a taste of what that would look like, I'm like, no, I don't want. This for Peter after everything that they've been through after for the, for for these five years I don't want this story to end like this, so I hope that in the next episode and in, and in the episodes to come here that Peter can do what he basically wants to do and what he basically wants to do is get this get the get the get the evil fucking Winmark off the board because Winmark was the one that shot Edda so that's what he wants. So I'm hoping that although Peter is not Peter right now, they will kind of let him deal with Winmark and then they can find some way to sort of convince him to take the thing out of his uh to take the thing out of his brain so he doesn't fully turn. Because here's the thing, Olivia running out after realizing that that Peter's not Peter was a smart thing, but I'm like, okay, you ran out like, where are you going? Who are you going to tell? Are you, are, are, are you going to tell Walter? And what is Walter going to do? Because this the second that Walter finds out what's happening, how is he going to react? Is he going to lose his shit? And is that going to make him turn more into the original Walter faster? Because he'll get nervous and he'll think that he needs to get smarter to help out his son. So I'm more interested to see how the how everybody else is going to react to what Peter has done. But I, but, but I don't, listen, even, even if the fringe team wants to help out Peter, I don't understand, I don't see how they're going to be able to, because Peter is not going to let them, because at this point, Peter is laser focused at going after Windmark, and, and I believe that there's nothing that will stop the guy from getting what he wants, which in this case, again, is Windmark. Walter listening to the records, to the Bowie records about, you know, with the song, uh, uh, The Man Who... Uh, ended the world or say the world is really really poignant um, because the um, uh, the, uh, the theme in this episode for both William Bell and Walter is that they have always been the type of individuals that view themselves as holier than thou more important than everyone else so I think that this episode really really brought home the themes of Walter being being at a crossroads and Walter 
having to make that decision that I need to be the best person I can be coming up here really quick. And I sort of need to take away my fears and sort of put those in the background. And I think that that was the whole record thing. And I think, I think that, I think that somehow Walter's going to come to that conclusion. Again, this might just be me talking from my ass because I want Walter to realize the gravity of the situation rather than, rather than being worried about his brain chemistry at this point, because I think the larger situation is more important than his brain chemistry. But again, that, that, that just might be me going that, that just might be, that just might be me reading a little bit more into the situation than can possibly be there. Also, <laughs> I do want to mention real quick. I love the scene when, uh, when they're, when they're in, um, when they're in the Calvin Genetics building and, and, and Walter's going through William's stuff and he goes, and he goes, William, you know, you know, belly, you contemptuous bastard. You stole my records. I just loved that moment because he's, he's like, I was an immense institution. This bastard stole my records. I love that so much. Keep your fucking hands off my physical media, you sons of bitches. So I do like that moment for sure. And it puts us in an interesting spot going forward where we definitely want Peter to use his new abilities to take Winmark off the board. And hopefully that will be a catastrophic blow to Team Observer. But we want it done as quick as possible so that this guy doesn't go full irreversible observer but we will have to find out if that's the case or not moving forward next week when we talk about episode eight the humankind and episode nine black blotter so that is the homework if you are watching along with us for next week if you guys enjoy the show please like follow subscribe comment rate all of it helps tell a friend if you want to get in touch with us you can tweet using the hashtag radio 815 or at us at jj universe 815 I am on Twitter. I am at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, how can the people reach out to you? I'm also on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. And a reminder, we are also on YouTube. If you don't deal with Spotify or Apple Music or any podcast f- format, we are on there. YouTube slash Radio 815. So check us out there. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Radio 815, over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.